Hi, this is Brian's dad. This very first episode needs to come with a little bit of a warning because surprisingly, neither Brian nor I are sound engineers of any kind. We're doing this as amateurs for the very first time. And so we recorded this first episode without really knowing anything about microphone positioning or volume or gain levels. After some Googling, I learned some things. Um, and I hope Brian did too. And so our future episodes should have a little bit of a better sound. Um, we're, we're, we're thankful that you're here. We're really glad that you're with us um, and that you're listening to this very first episode. Um, if you are the type of person who is has some sort of auditory sensitivities, maybe skip this episode and find one that is a little bit higher quality uh, and maybe not so not so tinny and not so annoying to listen to. Again, thank you so much for being here. Um, we're having a lot of fun with this process with podcasting. We hope that you have just as much fun listening to us um, be silly and talk about stories as as we had making these podcasts. Thank you. This is Dad, Dad Time, Time Stories. Episode one, how stories came to be. Hi. Hi, I'm Brian, and this is my dad. Hello, I'm dad. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to Dad Time Stories. We got to this point by sitting in traffic in Chicago on our way back to Arizona from Michigan. Um, and we did this funny little skit in the car about... The weather and traffic. And traffic. And we talked like, and we talked like old New York Yankee type sport broadcaster people. We talked like this for the whole drive through Chicago, talking about cars. And it was tiresome. It was very, very entertaining for me. If I remember, I do remember. I remember correctly. It was very, very entertaining. Brian, <clears throat> were you not entertained by your father's antics? It was very funny. But you just said it was tiresome. It was tiresome and funny. Okay, so we're doing a podcast. Yeah. And you're the host. I am the host. You are host Brian. I'm host Brian. And, and this I is co-host. Co-host? Co-host dad. Co-host dad. Can I be co-storyteller dad? No, you're storyteller dad. I'm just storyteller dad. That makes you co-storyteller Brian. Yes. Okay. So and I'm host and you're co-host. You're the host and I am the co-host dad. Yep. Okay. But but not everybody's dad? Or everybody's dad? On the podcast, you're everybody's dad. I'm everybody's dad. You, listener, who's your daddy? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So we're going to rein that back. We're going to bring that back in. <laughs> Um, so, we like stories. <clears throat> I love stories. I'm an anthropologist and a landscape architect. And I'm a student. And, and you're a student, right? Still. And, and your whole life, I've read you stories, and I've told you stories, and we've made stories up, like, on the road, right? When we're in the car, we're on road trips, we, we try to tell stories, and we try to keep each other entertained with stories. As an anthropologist, and as an amateur storyteller... Um, in the Society for Creative Anachronism. Um, I like to entertain people, right? Stories is how we have entertained each other for centuries, time. right? We Humans have shared this earth with other humans for millennia, and how have we kept each other entertained? By telling each other stories. By telling each other stories. Now, we are two very white people. White people. White people. Out we, in the sun for five <laughs> minutes and we get sunburnt. That's how white. Bright red. Like lobsters. Baked almost instantaneously. It's not great. We live in Arizona. So we know, like, yes. Thank you, Fry, for, you know, for, for taking us there. Um, you are welcome. What I was trying to get at was that 
you know, the stories of our ancestors, right, the Northern European people, are stories that have been told for a long time and have kind of been taken over by, you know, mass popular media, right, that there's, there's a lot of representation for stories from European and Northern European cultures where we're from. Right. Now, you and I... Uh, I happen to know, as I've done some of the genealogy, right, like we've got some German, we've got some Scandinavian, we've got, it's mostly English, um, Scotch, Irish, um, I don't think there's any French or Welsh, okay, but we're, you know, we're very, very white, and we, we like these stories, we like the fairy tales of the British Isles and Northern Europe, right, uh, Hans Christian Andersen, the Brothers Grimm, we love mm -hmm. fairy stories, right? But we love stories from all kinds of places, all kinds of different cultures. Um, I'm an anthropologist who, uh, as part of my graduate studies, I have been focusing on heritage conservation in landscapes. And that's really brought me back to anthropology in the landscape, you know, from the landscape architecture, right? Because we're looking at landscapes that are important to different cultures around the world. And what is a better way of exploring when we can't when we can't take ourselves from Arizona and go travel to those other places, right, to talk and engage ourselves in those cultures, right? right? What is a better way of getting into a culture and learning their stories and learning their history and learning about their culture than reading and listening to their stories? There isn't. I, I agree with you. Um, and there's probably a reason for that, and that's probably because you... You know, as my, my child, you got that a little bit from me, right? So we are going to start off our podcast with a story that is a Native American indigenous story. Um, it's from the Seneca tribe, the Seneca people, who are part of the Iroquois, right? The Iroquois as a nation is made up of four or five different tribes, I believe. I'm open to being wrong. Um, if there's somebody listening who, who knows better, please tell me. Um, let us know. Um, we'll have the, our, our email address at the end of the podcast, and we'll drop it in the show notes. Um, because we want to know. We want to learn. right? The point of this, the point of us doing this podcast is, is learning about other cultures and helping teach people about other cultures and get a little bit exp of exposure to those other cultures. Right. Um, and just for visu visualization, um, where the story takes place is today, where today we would call New York. Yeah. Well, and we were, and the reason, so the, the story that we're going to uh, read today, that's the story that I'm going to read today, is called. Uh. You just read it. I know I just, you just read, read it. You just read it for the intro, Brian. <laughs> I know I just read it. What is it? He's going back to the book. He's he's gone back to the book that we pulled these stories. How from. stories came to be. How stories came to be. The stories from from again from from the Seneca people, uh, who are from what we now call New York. Um, what is one of the reasons why we chose this story in particular, Bri? Um, because to start off our podcast, to start reading, well, stories, we want a story about. How stories became stories. Well, that's a good point. But I meant for us specifically, was there something that we've done recently that we chose oh. this story specifically? Yes, we went to New York to visit, New York City visit Corning and the Niagara Falls. Oh. Very beautiful. That's that's more upstate. Very, it's very beautiful. Still. Still. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm walking over here. That's Boston. That's not Boston. That's, that's Boston. That's a great, that's a perfect New York accent. That's Boston. I'm pretty sure. No, in Boston, Boston. you use your and you Boston. You park in the Harvard Yard. Somebody help me. This is a Boston accent. I deal I'm with this sure. my every... My Boston's not as great. My Boston's not great as some of my I, I deal with this every day. Please help me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, okay, when we, so over the summer, we had an opportunity to travel to Corning. And we went to the Museum of Glass there in Corning with uh, my mother. It was amazing. Uh, it was really cool, right? And after that, we went to Niagara Falls, right? And that region of New York, um, I don't remember what county 
it was. I'm sure that we could look really quick if I wanted Probably. to pull it up. Um, but all of the road signs, right? Most road signs that you see in the U.S. are in English. What was special about the road signs through this area, through the traditional um, territory of the Seneca people? So, in the county, the signs and the town names were in the in their native language. Right, and so we got to see um, Seneca as a language spelled out with their English counterparts for almost all of the signs, and that was really cool. Um, and because we had that experience, we wanted to use a story um, from, from that region, from those people, uh, to help kick off our podcast. Also because we're starting a podcast about reading stories. Also because we're starting a podcast about reading stories, and this, this story is called How Stories Came to Be. That was on purpose. This, it wasn't. <laughs> All of this was on purpose. It was on purpose. I picked this story on purpose, even though it was the story that we picked last. It right? was the story we picked last. Don't bump the table! Sorry! It's okay. I didn't mean to bump the table. I still love you. You were loved and cared for and valued, even though you bumped the table and you bumped the microphone. And Should we get back? You want to get back? Yeah. You're not saying a whole lot. No, I'm not. No. I'm not saying a whole you, lot. You could talk some more. I... I you want to talk about this story and say a little bit about the characters? Um, the main character's name is Crow. Okay, in Seneca, what is, what is, that, that's how it translates, right? What is, do you remember what his name is? Uh, it's something. It's something. He has a name. It's Gakaw. Right. You know what like, sound a crow makes? I mean, I, and I, I don't know, you know, again, we are we are not Seneca. We are not from the Seneca Nation. Um, and I don't have a pronunciation guide, so I'm guessing. Um, but as, you know, an anthropologist and a storyteller, I kind of have this feeling, uh, you know, that this, this name was chosen for a reason. Um, and it's written down as, how is it spelled, Bray? You're looking um, at the book. G-A-Q-K-A. G-A-Q-K-A. Yep. I still I still think that the best pronunciation of that is Gakaw. And it does mean crow. It translates to crow. Um, is there... I don't think there's a pronunciation guide in there, Bri. Is there? No. No. Actually. No, there's not. Not like in the other one in, in some of the other books that we we've been pulling stories from. You know, um, there's a sources page, and I thought that the pronunciation might be in the sources page. Right. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the book that we're pulling. Oh, well, no. Let's finish, <clears throat> let's finish talking about the characters that are in the story. We've got the boy. Um. There's a big rock who can talk to the little boy. There's a big rock. Um. And there's his. Longhouse of his people, his right? People, his, his, his community, people. his village, his family, right? The people that he lives with, the people that call him Gakaw. So, like, imagine it's like church. People, a community of people who share the same, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Sure, yeah. They say they, they share the same cultures. I mean, you're not wrong, right? It's kind of like a church. The Longhouse uh, would be. A, you know, the meeting place for people, or at least it would have been in, in Viking cultures. I believe that this is true of uh, North American indigenous cultures too, where there is one long house or there's one community center building where people would gather uh, to tell stories. Now, because this story is about how stories came to be, I'm not sure why they're gathering there. Because they're, as you know, once we actually hear the story, we learn, you know, that they just kind of sit there, right? Right. Right. And do nothing and... Right, they just sit there, okay? So, but it, it is like church, right? They share a culture, they share a religion, um, they share family ties, right? There's parents and grandparents and kids and cousins. Um, but... Gaka is an orphan. Oh, yeah. Like, like all good stories... The main character is an orphan. A series of unfortunate events. A series of unfortunate events being one... Harry Potter. Harry Potter, <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars. Um, what are some other ones? What about... Um, 
Prince, no, not Princess Bride. I mean, we don't know that Wesley and Buttercup had parents, right? And Wesley, or in the Matt Wesley slash the Man in Black, but that's a movie. That's more of a movie. I know that you just read the the novelization, right? But a lot of our favorite. The point is, a lot of our favorite stories have orphans as the protagonists, right? That they're the main character, or they're the quote unquote the heroes, right? That these, you know, they're, it's a, like an underdog story, right? Right. And really, you know, the underdog story is very popular across cultures, not just in Western European cultures, not just in modern day American movie or in any British English movie, right? You, you referenced Harry Potter, right? This is a very common theme in human storytelling. Doctor Who is an orphan. Is he? Okay, but that's still, that's British... Okay, I will grant that Doctor Who is storytelling, right? And it's British storytelling, so that's kind of a different culture, and not kind of a different culture. It is a different culture, I get it, right? I don't know that he's an orphan, though. Doesn't Isn't there a thing where, like, his planet blew up or something like that? Gallifrey... Ooh, we're gonna... I'm gonna make so many nerds angry. Um, nerds, please don't at us if I get this wrong. Gallifrey was taken out of time and put into a time bubble, right? I didn't watch most of classic Who. I saw some of the first Doctor. I watched a lot of fourth Doctor, Tom Baker. Um, but I didn't really start getting into Doctor Who And a lot until... of Matt Smith. Right. I watched, I watched a lot of Matt Smith, and that's kind of what I was getting to, right? You kind of jumped on me, Sorry. right? Because I didn't get into Doctor Who until David Tennant's tenure was ending, and Matt Smith was coming on, and so I started watching um, Christopher Eccleston as Nine, and uh, David David Tennant, Love Tennant, um, as as Ten, and Matt Smith, and and Christopher Capaldi. Or Christopher Capaldi. I think that's right. Chris, Co- isn't that his name? I don't know. Uh, but you know, and Jodie Jodie Foster. I think Jodie Foster. Right, that's her name too, right? I don't know. I haven't seen Doctor Who in like two years. Why did you bring it up? Because Nerds, please don't. I just, us. I just, this is I my, just. Okay, well, let's let's sidebar and side table Doctor Who, and let's get back to talking about our yeah. story. Yeah. Okay. We've got two main characters in this story: Gaka and the Rock, the little orphan boy, and the grandfather Rock. Right? Not Dwayne the, Johnson. No. Okay. I need you to come back. I want you to focus on what we're doing. Your mind is off on all of these tangents, right? Which is great, okay? I love the way that your mind works. You have a beautiful brain. Gaka and Grandfather Rock. Not Grandfather the Rock. <laughs> Grandfather Rock, okay? Grandfather the Rock would be Dwayne the Rock Johnson when his little girl grows up, maybe 20, 25, 30 years, and she has kids, then he's going to be Grandpa the Rock. But right now, he's still just The Rock. And we're talking about the grandfather or grandfather rock in the story. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the book that we're pulling this story from. Okay. We, we do have a book, we, right? We have a book. And, and we want to make sure that we're respecting um, the authors, you know, because the author is a... Uh, an indigenous storyteller and, and writer. Right. Right. And his name is... is James... Wait. It's James Bruchak. Okay. It's James James and... Joseph. Joseph Bruchak. And Joseph is James's father. Really? Really. Um, and they're both traditional uh, indigenous storytellers. If you open the book to the back cover, or not the inside, inside of the jacket. Open it to the inside of the jacket, right, and read, read that for us. Joseph Bruchek's poems, articles, and stories have appeared in more than 500 publications, including American Poetry Review, Cricket, Keep going. National Geographic, Parabola, and Smithsonian Magazine. Parabola? I said parabola. Is it parabola or is it parabola? I don't know. Is it one word or is it two? It's one word. Parabola. Okay, keep going. He is also the author of more than 70 books for adults and children. Whoa. Much of Joseph's work is inspired by his Abenaki... 
Abenaki? <laughs> Abenaki? I believe it's Abenaki. Abenaki. Uh, no, alright, you gotta roll that back. Be respectful of the culture, please. I'm sorry. I believe it's Abenaki. Abenaki. And the New York Adirondack Mountain Foothills area where he was raised. Ooh, the Adirondack. Okay. Joseph Bruchek has been a storyteller in residence for Native organizations and schools throughout the continent. Joseph wrote The Girl Who Helped Thunder and other Native American folktales with his son, James. And that's the book. Um, that's the book that we're, we're referencing this story from. Um, but we did make a couple of changes, and we just want, if you're interested in this story and want to hear and have access to more uh, indigenous North American stories, this would be a good book to pick up. Again, it's The Girl Who Helped Thunder and Other Native American Folktales, and it's published by Sterling Publishing Company. Um, Joseph Bruchek, or James Bruchek, the son, is also an indigenous storyteller and the youngest member of the Adirondack Liars Club. Um, he was nominated in 1999 for Storyteller of the Year by the Woodcraft Circle of Native Authors and Storytellers. Interesting. Uh, you can visit his website. I'm looking at his website right now. Um, and it is just jamesbruchek.com. J-A-M-E-S-B-R-U-C-H-A-C.com. Um, and it's got a biography there and, and booking and programs um, for him there. And uh, we just want to give a shout out, uh, you know, to the Bruchecks. Thank you for, for publishing this, this material. Thank you for doing the legwork and the research and retelling um, the stories that you've told here in The Girl Who Helped Thunder and other Native American folktales. Is there anything else you feel like we need to get to before we get to our story? Um, no, not really. No, okay. So Do you? I don't think so. I think that we've got this this pretty well covered. Um, in the future, I would like to I would like to have a little bit more research on the culture that we're reading stories from, and do a little bit less, a little bit less sidebar type stuff. But you know, I like talking. I like talking with you. I think that this is this is going to be a lot of fun for us. He likes talking nerdy. He likes talking nerdy. <laughs> okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna start the story now. Listen to the story. How stories came to be. Once, long ago, there were no stories, and that made life hard for the people. When the long nights of winter came, they sat around feeling bored and wishing that something interesting would be said. But all they heard was silence and an occasional sigh. <sighs> Among them was a little boy who was known as Gakaw, or Crow. He was called by that name because his clothes were as black as soot from the fire as the feathers of a crow. He was an orphan, and poor Gakaw had no mother to wash or mend his ragged clothing. No mother to clean his face, and no mother to help him comb his hair. People sometimes made fun of him because of his appearance, but usually most people just ignored him. One day, as Gakaw was returning home from hunting, he came to a place where a great cliff stood. Gakaw was feeling tired, weary from hunting, and he decided to rest for a little bit. He put down his bow and his arrows, and he sat with his back, leaning against the cliff beneath the place where the rocks formed a face like that of a man. Ah, he sighed, if only there was something to which I might listen. Shall I tell a story? A deep voice asked. Gakaw looked around, startled. Who said that? He asked. I did, said the deep voice. Gakaw looked up and realized that it was the face of the man in the rock who had spoken. He was very surprised, but he was also very curious, as he had never heard a rock speak before. I do not know what a story is, Gakaw said, but whatever it is, I would like to hear it. First, you must give me something, said the stone face. I would do so gladly, Gakaw replied placing some of the birds he had caught at the base of the cliff. Now I shall tell a story, 
the great stone said, its deep voice seeming to come from the very earth itself. But first, you must answer me by saying kneel to show that you are ready to hear a story. Kneel, Kakar replied quickly. Good, the great stone face said. Whenever I say hope, you must answer head so that I may know you are still listening, and you must not fall asleep until I have said Da Neho, and my story has come to an end. Then the great stone spoke a story of how the earth was made. Kaka listened closely to the stone face's story so that he might remember the tale and share it with others when he got back to his longhouse. Finally, as it was getting dark, the great stone face's story came to an end. Da Neho, the great stone said, I have spoken. Gaka thanked the great stone face for the story and hurried back to his longhouse. As usual, the people were sitting around with nothing to do. No one looked up when Gaka entered the longhouse. No one looked up when he sat down. No one looked up until he spoke, his voice a little louder and a little deeper than it had ever been before. Shall I tell a story? he asked. Who are you to speak? said one of his people. Be quiet, the clan mother of his longhouse said to the man. Let this boy talk. I do not know what a story is, but it must be better than sitting around hearing nothing of interest. First, Gekos said, you must give me something. When a small beaded pouch had been placed in his hand, Gekos told them how they must listen and how they must respond to the story, just as the great stone face had told him. Then he repeated the tale that had been given to him by the great stone. The people listened with rapt attention until his story came to an end. That was wonderful, the people said. Tell us another story. Da Neho, Kaka said, I have spoken. My story has come to an end for this night. The next day, Kaka went back to the rock face. Grandfather, I have come to hear more, Kaka said, placing a string of clay beads on the ground at the base of the cliff, and I have brought you this gift for your story. Shall I tell a story? The great stone said. Neo, Kaka replied. And so it went. Gaka continued to return to the great stone for more tales to share with his people each night. And just as he gave gifts to the great stone face, so the people gave him gifts to show their appreciation for his stories. He was given new clothing, new moccasins, and a bone comb to straighten the tangles in his hair. And as he told his stories night after night, he also grew in size. He was no longer a small boy in dirty clothes, but a tall, well-dressed, and good-looking young man. The people no longer called him Gaka. His new name was Hageota, the storyteller. Some tried to find out where he learned his stories. They would follow him and watch him as he sat beneath the cliff. He seemed to be listening to something, but those who watched him heard nothing more than the word hen when he spoke every now and then. At last, the day came when the one who had been the boy Gakaw came to the rock face one final time. Grandson, the great stone face said to Hageota, the great teller of stories, I have shared with you all the stories that I know. The stories no longer belong to me, to the stones. The stories now belong to the people. Now anyone who truly listens to the people may hear a story. And so it is to this day. All we need to do to hear a story is listen. So, I really liked that story. Me too. It's a nice story. What did you like about the story? Um, well... I'm not sure. I just liked it. <laughs> There's got to be something that you liked about it. What was one thing that you 
liked about this story? About how the main character is like an outcast, a nobody. Sure. And then he becomes this great storyteller. I do I do also like the significance that it places on storytellers. Um right, I think that that tells us a lot about the Seneca people and the Seneca nation uh, and the importance that they place on their storytellers. Now, I'm not sure what the name change, what his name means when it changes to, uh, what was it, Hageote? It's, it's storyteller. Does it mean storyteller? Mm-hmm. Hageota, the storyteller. Or at least that's what it says in the, in the story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool, right? I think that, that that tells us just how much importance the culture places on the storytelling and the oral tradition, right. right? What is an oral tradition? I don't know. What do you think? What do you think an oral tradition is? Well, oral means mouth. Right. It means from the mouth, right? Right. So, the tradition of telling stories... Right. It is a spoken tradition. It is a spoken history. It is a way of storytelling, right? And that stories are meant to be told, right? We rely a lot on printed media. You know what I mean when I say printed media? Books. Books. Newspaper. Newspapers. Yeah. Magazines. Yes, right? Media that is put into print. Stories that are put into print, right? We rely a lot on print as a technology, going all the way back to um, the Gutenberg Press, right, in, uh, I think it was the 16, 1500s, 1600s, Gutenberg invented a no, press. No, it was before that. To, isn't, you know, the tablets you Romans used to write on, well, sure. isn't that technically print? Yes, it is technically print. I'm talking about something that's more mass-produced. Right, we rely really heavily on mass-produced media, and what made that happen was the invention of the printing press. Right, right, where you could set letters, you could set your type, right, your type font. Comic Sans. <laughs> not not <laughs> Comic Sans, but yeah, like Comic Sans, right, where you could, right, it helped make newspapers print faster, right, because right. you could type, you could set out all of the letters for a whole big page. Right, or a book, and then just print those pages, right? And all you needed to do was put ink on the press and new paper and just keep going, right? And reset the letters. Well, right, in between pages, right? So you would do, you would set your type and then run a hundred pages or whatever of that same page, right? If you needed a flyer or something, you do that. We rely so heavily on that nowadays. It's on our cell phones, you know, we're reading books and there's websites and social media, right? And very rarely do we turn back to the storyteller, people who follow an oral tradition, and very rarely do we recognize the importance of the storyteller and the oral tradition in our culture today. But we we need those artists. We need those storytellers. We Right. We need entertainment because people... People Nowadays, need people we, we, need it's, entertainment. It's, it's something that we've always needed, Bri. Right? We we have always, as a species, looked to somebody to entertain us. Right? Just like in just like in the story, right? Before, um, Gakak came back with the story from the grandfather rock. They were just sitting there. They were just sitting there, doing nothing, just sitting. That sounds really boring, right? I've done it before. <laughs> it's terrible. To. I, I have also, <laughs> um, I've also had to do that before. It's not great, right? It it's, isn't. It's, it's better to have something to keep your mind active, right? Even a small crossword puzzle sure. helps. Right, but let's get back to talking about the story. Right. Okay. What do you think the main message of the story is? Stories need to be told. Stories need to be told. Right? Is it that is the message that stories need to be told? Or is the message of this the this story from the Seneca Nation more about where we can find stories? 
Can there only be one? No, there, there's more than one. I mean, there's right. always, there's always more, there's, there's always no right answer for a question like this. Right. Right. When I'm asking you what you think, right, what do you think the message is? Is it about telling stories or is it about where we can find stories? Telling stories. You think it's about telling stories. I because. Think, I think that that's a valid interpretation. Like, you can't just walk up to a cliff face and I need a story and the rock will tell you a story i don't know what you're talking about i do that all the time that's where i get all my stories <laughs> no i think i think that what's more important i mean that is a, a good interpretation i think that that's valid i think that you've taken away a good message from this story the message that i'm hearing um for the seneca people you're bumping the table <laughs> the message uh, we're we're recording in my mother's dining room right now. Uh, on we're sharing we're sharing the dining room table, and so any, you know, we've got a, a cheap little cheap little mic that we're using, um, and so any any extra bumps or nudges uh, just I don't think helps with great sound quality. And we want to produce a good we want good sound quality sound podcast, right? Okay, but so getting back to what I think the point of that story is, right? Gaka was out hunting and came to this rock face, looked at the rock face, and found a story, right? The earth... He found a face. The earth and the rock might have told him the story, right? But that was a story from an unlikely place. Right. Right? So is it equally plausible that in our modern lives... We can find stories in a lot of unlikely places. It is plausible. Okay. Do you think that those stories are are still worth being told? Yes. I agree. And I think that that is that is one of the key messages of how stories came to be, right? Is that all you have to do is find a story, and what you need to do once you've found that story is tell it. Right. Right. Regardless of what culture that story has come from, regardless of uh, the Scottish, the Scottish have a saying that I just love. I love this this saying, and it's never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Right. Having done the genealogy, right, I know a lot about Scottish, Scottish things and Scottish right. history, right. And so the story is really meaning, right? Maybe, maybe you caught a fish. That was, you know, 10 inches long. Or maybe you caught 12 fish. But is that story a better story than you being out fishing on Loch Ness and hooking the Loch Ness monster and getting pulled into the lake and, you know, going on a ride being pulled by the Loch Ness monster? That sounds amazing. Which of those is a better story? The one about the Loch Ness monster because... Never let the truth get in the way of telling a good story, of being entertaining, right? And so I think that that's something Even. that applies here, too, right? Find stories in the world around you and tell them. Be the entertainer. Go out and be the storyteller that your community needs. Right. Do, before, we, before we move on to our next segment, Brian, is there anything that you want to add to our discussion on how stories came to be? Um... No, not particularly. You look like you're thinking really hard. This is this is going to be an environment where you have to talk. I know. I know. Um cuz we're now just filling we've got dead air. Right. Right. Um do you have a joke for I, this? I might have a joke. Okay, let me think. For this story, we're going to move into our jokes. We're moving into our next segment, the a, a joke segment. Okay. Let me Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Okay. 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 What did Grandfather Rock say to Graca? I don't know, Dad. What? Don't take my stories for granite. <laughs> <laughs> granite. It's a rock. <sighs> Dad, why do you tell such <laughs> terrible jokes? Don't take my stories for granite, Brian. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, that was great. 
Thank you so much for your participation in the discussion. You are welcome. Okay, that was a great. I'm so happy with that. Don't take my stories for granted. Okay. So, I that story made me think of a poem by Robert Frost. Okay. Called The Road Less Taken. Okay. The Road Not Taken by yeah, Robert Frost. that one. Okay. What about this story made you think about The Road Not Taken? Um, the way... What's his name? The Gokaw? Yeah. Gokaw. Um, the way he traveled back and forth between the rock face and his longhouse. Um... And the road, I don't know. Okay. I just, I don't know. I'm <laughs> oh, saying okay. something. All right, you're saying you're saying words, and really, I'm what you need words. to say is that Dad put you up to doing a segment about poetry yep. at the end of our podcast. Yep. That's what you meant. So the road less traveled, or the road not taken, is one of my favorite poems of all time. It's one that I memorized in high school. And it's one that I've had memorized and just one of those things that I've had ready to go off the cuff. um, A long time. A long time. Longer than you've been here. Like five million years. Right. One of the reasons why I wanted to do The Road Less Traveled is because of our trip this summer. We've already talked a little bit about going to Corning and Niagara Falls, right? But let's talk about what we did while we were in Michigan. Um. Where did we go spend a lot of time while we were in Michigan? Grandma and Grandpa's. We st- or, right, we the Henry Ford. Yes, we stayed God. at my grandparents' house in, in Michigan, but... We went to the Henry Ford and the Greenfield what's, Village. What's the Henry Ford? The Henry Ford is a... What? As I mouthed the word museum at my son, at my child. It's the Henry Ford Museum. Right, you, you, I said museum. No, you said the Henry Ford. Right, I said we, the we Henry Ford we, is a museum. I don't think you said is a museum. I did. We can go back. We can go back later and look look at the transcript and see. Okay, so, so we went to the Henry Ford Museum and the Greenfield Village. Okay, the Henry Ford Museum is a less important to this story. <laughs> don't, don't throw things at your dear old father. You're not that. Which of these two which of these two places is more important to the story that we're trying to tell on the podcast right now? The Greenfield Village. And why is that? So the Greenfield Village is a place that this guy named Henry Ford he made he made the Ford trucks. The Ford the Ford trucks and you know, yeah. Them. Um he Yep. <clears throat> he did what? What did Henry Ford do? Gathered like historical houses from around the country and put them in a village in Dearborn, Michigan. In Dearborn, Michigan. And one of them was the Robert Frost house. Mm. And we went there and we heard that poem on recording. Right. And so of all of the times that we went to the Greenfield Village, we only stopped through Robert Frost's house the once, right? Mhm. And it do you remember <laughs> Do you remember as we were walking up to the Robert Frost house, I started reciting that poem, and then we got in, and they had a recording of Robert Frost reading that poem, that exact same poem. So to me, the road less traveled is about choices, right? We make, we have choices that come up in our lives every day. Right. Right? We can take, and you know, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's we are limited to one or two choices. Maybe it's just a cup. Maybe it's a couple of choices. Maybe there's a whole bunch of choices, right? Right. Am I boring you? No. Are you sure? Yes. That was a big yawn. It's been a, a long day. It's been a long day. It's a long day of podcasting, trying something new. Podcasting is hard. Podcasting is hard. Talking is hard. Unless you really want to do it, don't try this. <laughs> Do you really want to do this? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. That's why we're doing it, right? Okay, so let's get back to the Robert Frost house and the poem, right? The Road Less Traveled is about choices. 
about how sometimes you can take an easy choice, right? You can take an easy road, but sometimes it's better to take the road that not everybody's taking. Sometimes that means, right, the difference between doing something right and doing something wrong, right? Like, there's a lot, like, we could get in, there's, there's a story, uh, there's actually a speech that Captain America gives in, in a comic about making choices and doing the right thing, right? Like, um, you know, it doesn't, I think it's, it doesn't matter what the press says, it doesn't matter what the mob says, it doesn't matter what the people says, right? If it's wrong, it's wrong. And you plant yourself like, like a tree beside the river of truth. And if somebody says move, it is your job to say, no, no you move. move. Ooh, that gave me goosebumps, right? It's about a choice. Sometimes what's right is not easy. And sometimes the best choice is the, or, and sometimes, right, hold on, wait. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I said this wrong. Sometimes the easy way is not necessarily the right way, and sometimes the best choice is the, the hard way and the road less traveled, the road taken by fewer people. Um, and so I'm going to have you read this poem by Robert Frost. Um, it was written, I believe, towards the end of the 1800s. It doesn't say here on this website, but we're going to have you read this poem for us. Why do you think this is this is a family podcast, right? We're telling stories, we're sharing other cultures with you know with the world at this point, right? right. Um, I mean, we don't have any listenership right now. But you know, at some point there are people who are all the way across the world who could some at some point listen to this podcast, right? Right. Why do you think it's important? for kids and families to share these types of works, to share poetry. To learn from, like, mistakes in the past. Okay. And for entertainment. For entertainment. I think that that's good. I think that any kind of literature, poetry specifically, okay, is a medium of text. Right. That should be spoken. I am a strong believer that poetry should not be read. It should be read aloud. It should be spoken. So I'm going to have you read The Road Not Taken right now. Um, and we'll see, we'll see how this goes. Okay? All right. You ready? Yep. As you give me a big thumbs up. The listeners can't see your big thumbs up when you do that. Thumbs up. Two thumbs up. All right. Here we go. We're going to hear The Road Not Taken as read by Brian. The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler long I stood, and looked on one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same, and both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trod in black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Thank you, Brian, for that. I think I think that you did you did a really good job with that, dude. That was a really good reading. Thank you. So while you were reading the poem, I went and took a look. I looked up the road not taken. Um, it was originally published in August of 1915, so it's appropriate, right, that this, this episode is coming out uh, towards the beginning of August. This episode should be dropping August 9th? Yeah, 9th. Right? The 9th. Um, because our episode 0 comes out on my birthday, August 2nd. Episode 1 is going to drop Tuesday a week later, and 2 plus 7 is 9. Okay, so this poem is... 
1915. What year is it? 2022. 2022. And oh. the coronavirus is still not over. Okay. All right. Let's let's set that aside. Okay. 2022. Um, how old is this poem? What year was it published? 1915. Come on. You need you need to be faster. 107 years. 107 years old. Okay. And Wikipedia, thanks Wikipedia, uh, Wikipedia is not a source to be cited by academics uh, in academic papers. Um, if you need to cite something from Wikipedia, you can always scroll down to the bottom and follow that source and cite that source. Um, but so it says that the central theme is divergence of paths, both literally and figuratively. Um, and its interpretation is noted for being complex and potentially divergent, right? Um, it's, what is it about? What did you, what were you thinking as you were reading the poem? Um, I was thinking something like, maybe you're reading a book or you're playing a game and a choice, the main character has to make a choice. Mm -hmm. And it's, if you play a choices game... And there, this is a common riddle. In the first door, there's a first door and a second door. Mm -hmm. In the first door is a less, is a non-used path. Okay. And in the other door is a well-traveled, well-used path. Mm -hmm. Which one do you take? That's a good question, Brian. Which one do you take? I would take the less traveled path. Why? Because you don't know what type of dangers you will encounter, such as bandits or thieves mm -hmm. in the well-traveled path. Well, maybe the well-traveled path is more well-traveled because it doesn't have bandits and thieves on it. If we're in a story or a game. What lesson... How do you think, let me phrase this maybe a different way, if Gakaw were to read this poem, right, after the invention of stories, right, do you think that Gakaw would have made the same choice that he made in uh, how stories came to be? Because he does make a choice, right, after he hears Grandfather Rock's story. He has a choice. He can take his story back to his longhouse and share it, right, with his family, with his community. Right. Or he could just keep it for himself. Right. He makes a choice. What choice does he make? He takes the non-traveled path because he wants to share it with... Right. He takes the non-traveled path because up until that point, the traveled path has been to not tell stories. Right. Right. And so I think that this is a point of divergence for us, right, for you and me. We could make the choice to do nothing, to do no podcast. We could just keep this to ourselves. We could absolutely just keep this to ourselves and never ever publish it and never have anything go wrong and never have nerds at us about the mistakes that we made. Nerds, please at us about the mistakes that we made. Please don't. <laughs> please do. Please don't. I'm your dad, Brian, and the listener. I am your father. No, no he's I'm not. I'm not your father for, for legal purposes, but <laughs> I will be your storytelling dad in the podcast. Right? Make the choice. That's the lesson that we need to take from... Um, from Gaka, from the story, from the, the Seneca Nation story, how stories came to be, and also from the Robert Frost poem, The Road Not Taken, right? Because we'll find those paths and those journeys more rewarding, right? So that's why I asked you to read The Road Not Taken, right? Right. When it comes down to it, this is a point of divergence for us. We could take the road more traveled by. It's clean. It's smooth. There's lots of people on it. And that road is not podcasting. Right? The, the other road is to make a podcast. 
right, to do this thing where we are sharing stories from other cultures, some cultures that are our own non-American, non-American cultures, right? But we want a lot of them to be cultures that, or, or stories that we're telling that are from cultures that are not as well represented or lesser known stories, right? Because we want the opportunity to say, hey, we're storytellers. We enjoy stories, right? Eventually we'll get to, we'll get to a point where we're talking about how stories all follow the same kind of format, right? We can talk about the hero's journey How's that ice water? Is that ice water pretty good? It's pretty good. It's, kind of, it's pretty noisy, I bet. I'm sure our listeners love that. Let me just let me just borrow that. Hey. Okay. Thank you. Let's come back. Okay. I know. I know. We're getting we're getting to the end now. We're almost at our hour, and we want to keep it to an hour, right? What was I saying? Do you remember what I was saying? Stop. No. You don't remember what I was saying? No. Were you paying attention? Yes. <laughs> Are you sure? I was drinking my water. Mm-hmm. What was I saying? I, don't I have re- no I honestly, idea. I, don't, I don't know. I don't remember. Something about poems. Poems. Uh, and the road... Less traveled by. The road not taken. The road it's less the traveled. same thing. It is, it is kind of the same thing, right? So we have this opportunity to share stories, right? And teach others and learn. Learn for ourselves not just about other cultures through these stories, right? But we have an opportunity to learn about these other cultures and other people and other ways of being human. And through these stories, we understand that there are so many right ways of being human. There's no, there's no such thing as a wrong way to express your humanity. Well, I mean... And, and there's not, right? There are all kinds of different people Right? We look at a, a, a humans come in a spectrum of colors, right? All over the world, we have different colors spreading out from the equator, right? Um, you know, and that's, that's something that's really, really big right now, right? There's, there's social, racial justice issues going on here that stories and understanding the humanity of others helps us break down, right? It's easier to see somebody else as a person as a human worthy of some dignity, right? When we understand where they're coming from, when we understand, hey, this person is still human, right? So we understand culture better. We understand our fellow humans a little bit better, right? We can get into gender identity, right? We get into this racial cultural identity. The point is to learn, to learn and to grow and to have fun Right? And at the same time, we're learning about each other. Right. Right? We're learning about podcasting. We are. And we're learning about other people, other humans, and what makes them tick. And what helps them be good humans, too. Right? Not right. That there are, not to say, I mean, that's, that's a silly thing, right? Like, humans are generally good. We want to be good. We want to help each other. Right? We want to take care of our kids. We want to you know, help grow and learn and and move and help other people feel loved and valued and cared for, right? That that is a big, that's a big thing. And so I think that for us and for Gakaw, taking the road less traveled by is going to make all the difference, right? You made a reference to the poem. I did make a reference to the poem. I've got it memorized. You do Remember? have it memorized. Okay. So I think that that's I think that that's about our hour. High five. High five. Quiet high five. Because we're high right five. by the microphone. No. <laughs> <laughs> As he goes to swing for my head with a high five. Please no, save me. Um so I think we should wrap it up. Yeah. Don't you? This was our, our first episode. Um I think it if, went pretty well. I do too. I think it went. I think it went very well for our our first full length episode. Um, and when it publishes, I'll have to see how it turned out. Yeah, when it when it goes live, we'll we'll see how it turns out. But um, until then, Brian, where can people find our podcast? Or when do our podcasts come out? Um, every Tuesday at 
12 p.m. Mountain noon. Standard Time. Noon Mountain Standard Time. That's a good, that's important. Um, And you can find it on wherever you get your podcasts. Right, because we use, we use Anchor FM, and Anchor is publishing our podcast to a whole bunch of different platforms, which is great. For free. Um, For free. And, you know, we're, we're trying this out. And um, you can email us if you have questions or if you have stories that you would like to hear done in the future. Um, you can email us at, oh, I think it's, I think it's dad time stories. I think it's dad time stories. Pod at gmail.com. I don't think it's pod. Okay, it is. I, I went I had to I had to pause the recording and I went into the email. It is dadtimestoriespod at gmail.com. You were right. Dadtimestories S T O it's sorry. D A D T I M E S S T O R I E S P O D at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DadtimestoriesPod. Dad Time Story Pod. Oh. It's a little bit different. The the Twitter and the Instagram and the Facebook are Dad Time Story Pod. Not Dad Time Stories Pod. Just Dad Time Story Pod. And that's again Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And Brian, yeah. this has brought us to the end of our first full episode. Congratulations. Right. You wanna sign us off? This has been Dad Time Stories. I'm Brian. And I'm your dad. Until next time, be good. Do good. And And tell tell more more stories. stories.